This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Jim Duffy. Jim is an attorney in the private practice law firm with special expertise in tax and business law. Jim has been engaged in real estate investing for many years. He has owned many duplexes and single family homes. After initially self-managing these properties, he has since engaged third-party managers for them and has realized the benefits of professional management and the importance of working closely with the manager to maximize returns and minimize problems. His private investments include interest in a couple hundred multifamily units, as well as several single-family rental properties. Welcome, Jim. It's great to have you. Hey, thanks, Matt. Uh, nice, to, nice to talk to you again. Yes. Is there anything else you'd like the audience to know about yourself? Uh, I don't know if if I would or not. So, uh, you know, I'm married. I have five children. As you mentioned, I've invested in duplexes and single family properties in the past year. That intro reminded me of uh, some duplexes I owned in uh, tougher neighborhoods. And I can remember leaving work to go meet uh, prospective tenants and standing around in a vacant unit um, for hours while people didn't show up. So uh, professional management has really been, you know, a godsend. Yes, indeed. I, I can relate. I, I also did the same when I first started. So uh, how did you get started uh, with real estate investing? You know, I, I backed into it a little bit. So I lived in a duplex. I rented one side of a duplex. The owner decided to sell. So I bought the duplex. So that was my first house. Um, after that, I don't remember what stimulated my interest in doing it, but we bought a couple of duplexes in uh, tougher neighborhood, which we owned for a couple of years, self-managed. Um, and it was very labor intensive. And, uh, you know, the way I bought them, they barely cash flowed. And so after two or three years, I got tired of, of doing that and ended up selling them. I think I sold them, you know, 2006, 2007. So just before they lost all their value in 2008. So that that was a, a stroke of luck. Mm -hmm. Uh and then after the market came back in, after the 2008 crash, we started investing again about 2013 and 2014. We bought four single family homes um, just on regular conventional financing. You know, the, the prices were at a point where they actually made sense and would cash flow uh, kind of a, a, on a retail basis, bought through a real estate agent with, you know, non-owner occupied financing. So. And I still have those today, and those have been those have been great. Nice. And then you have uh, you interest in in hundreds of multifamily properties uh, or like units at least. Oh, tell me a little bit about those. Yeah. So, um, kind of funny. After investing in those single family homes, these are great, but they it's kind of slow. You know, we're adding a few hundred dollars of cash flow a month, or um, and I thought I would try a franchise to accelerate the, the process. Well, it turns out a franchise is much more labor intensive than self-managing uh, rental real estate. So after uh, after a four-way foray into that, I said, well, let's go back to real estate. And so it's probably about two years ago that I discovered uh, syndications and, and multifamily real estate. And I thought, where has this been all my life? This, you know, I was, you know, an immediate convert. Um, so after studying up on it a little bit, uh, you know, I started investing um, 
found a couple of you know great sponsors um and in late uh 2021 yeah, we bought our first uh bought into a syndication and then last year we bought into three more so um i'm uh i'm i'm taking that i'm taking that medicine i'm i'm a believer in the product nice and are you uh, just strictly passive in those syndications so i i have been passive so far um i'm i am working with others actively looking for real estate i'm in the process of connecting with sponsors that that realization for me of look here is this investment that is passive I mean, it actually generates cash flow, unlike my 401k or my investments in, you know, the stock market. Uh, it has tax benefits, you know, the the tax, the the income from it, the cash flow from it is non-taxable. It's not subject to tax while you get it. And it earns while you sleep and somebody else manages it. So it's passive. So it was, um, so that was exciting to me. And I've been talking to, my peers like lawyers and and other professionals about you, you got you really got to know about this and and um and we can work together you know to take advantage of opportunities that come up all right so it sounds like you so you started out as an active investor and then transitioned to more passive investor and now you're looking to help other people to become passive real estate investors as well yes uh yeah i'm i i'm kind of an evangelist for it because the the you know the people that I work with, the people that I know, uh, lawyers in particular, and other professionals. They, you know, they make good livings, but they work very hard to do it. You know, lawyers get paid by the hour, and you know they're trying to make time for their family in addition to work, and so they don't necessarily have time to be exploring, you know, other avenues of generating uh, income for themselves and their family. And they do like probably ninety-five percent of the population does, and puts their money in the 401k and has a guy, you know, a securities advisor, and and they put their put their cash into, you know, regular stock market assets. Yep. And we've seen what the benefit of that is in the last couple of years. It can be a little uh uncertain at times. Yes, the volatility is certainly there and the the lack of control. I mean, you've got me sold. I, I'm all in uh, real estate myself. So <laughs> well, funny. I mean, I've actually had conversations with other lawyers where they're like, I got to find something where the government doesn't take 30% of what I earn. And it's like, oh, I got to tell you about this, right? Or somebody, you know, looking at their 401k statement in the last 18 months and saying, this, this makes my stomach hurt to look at this. And I said, you know what? Let me tell you about something. There's, yes, there's alternatives. Yeah. And especially with the, you know, a lot of these syndications that have a value add play, the, the negative K1 in year one uh, is really nice for tax benefits. Absolutely. In fact, I was thinking about that too. So my, my first investment in 2021, um, I had a 50%, a you know, uh, a loss equal to 50% of my, investment uh, for tax purposes, not actual economic loss. And since we have these single family rentals, which were actually generating uh, passive income, I was able to use that in the first year. So, you know, I made money in the first year without even, you know, earning any money on the, on the investment yet. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the laws are really set up for real estate ownership in the United States. <laughs> it's, it's nice. Yeah, they are. They are. I've talked to many real estate investors who were eligible for and received 
many of the incentives that they were giving out to people of lower income um, during the pandemic. You know, they got that $2,000 check or whatever. And they they would, you know, I talked to one person who had his laminated and, you know, made into a bookmark. Or, <laughs> they obviously didn't cash the checks. Mm, nice. So uh, what kind of deals are you focused on fighting right now? So I'm I'm focused on multifamily, uh, mid-sized multifamily. I I like the um, kind of the Ohio Valley area. There's a lot of uh, cities in in the Ohio Valley that are have been strong and are um, continuing to really improve with a lot of uh, big investment, uh, technological investment, and um, I'm trying to think. Uh, logistical, you know, logistical companies, things like that. Um, so they're they're on the upswing, but the cost per door is uh, not as high and the amount of competition is not quite as high as in the, the Sunbelt states. So, and I'm from, I'm from Minnesota. So, you know, the cold weather and the snow don't frighten me. <laughs> and so when you say midsize, what does that mean to you? So that's in, uh, I'd say, you know, 20, well, it's a big range. 20, 20 to probably 20 to 80 units right now. And so right. I'm, I, and I'm in the, you know, I'm working with sponsors who are interested in that and, um, and in those areas. So that process of finding property, it's from my perspective is somewhat labor intensive. And so if I can connect with people who refine that process of finding deals, develop relationships, then these are people I can work with, um, provide some, maybe some value add based on my experience with tax and law and also uh, bringing people that I know who are interested in, in investing to those projects. Okay. And uh, so how are you finding these mid-sized deals in the Ohio Valley? So I guess a, a couple of things. So one is really through brokers. Uh, I'm not I'm not doing any kind of outreach direct to owners. Um, even even working with even working with brokers can be labor intensive just by virtue of processing the leads, right? Um, the uh, and then the other way really is working with sponsors who are in that process and identify uh, workable deals or or deals that you know have great value add and and ongoing potential. And then, um, so with these, uh, you know, how are you finding partners to work these deals with? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd say I'm finding most of them through um, meetups and other masterminds that I'm a part of. So I'm a, I'm a part of a few masterminds where uh, people are engaged in either raising capital or uh, developing syndications. And so through that process, you get an opportunity to meet people who have interest in similar properties in similar areas and have similar goals as, as we do. So, you know, for instance, I'm not interested in purchasing property that doesn't really cash flow on the idea that we'll make money on the back end because it's sure to appreciate. Uh, I'm a cash flow investor myself and the people I know are interested in, in the certainty of cash flow and not speculating on the possibility of appreciation. I mean, both are nice. I mean, that's kind of why I like value add because you double dip in both. Right, right. Well, a hundred percent, but that's, 
when you value add, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, you're not speculating on the appreciation, you are forcing the appreciation, right? Yes, so, correct. Yeah, and and so anything I would invest in, I would expect to appreciate, but I wouldn't invest in something solely with the expectation, like a flip, right? Um, that's that is not my area of focus. There, you know, I understand some people do do that with multifamily; they they just buy it and flip it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I see some people that are investing in real estate with, and it doesn't, you know, the properties that the, you know they're buying don't cash flow, and the only way they can make money is off the market appreciation that naturally happens. And counting on that is risky, very risky in my mind, because you don't know, you can't control what the market does. It could uh, go down south pretty quickly, but, uh, uh, you know, again, if you hold on to the property for long enough, it'll come back up. But still, <laughs> I, I oh, prefer, yeah, yeah cash flow in, your, in my mind, I agree with you there, uh, uh, you know, serves or alleviates all pain. It, it makes it, uh, so whatever happens, you can hold on to the property and, and work through it. Right. And it's nice to have something. It's nice to have some immediate return, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so number one, capital preservation, right? And then two, for me, uh, cash flow. That's it, it's nice to enjoy some immediate return, see the fruits of your labor, and then you know, three to five to seven years down the road, you know, enjoy that appreciation and hopefully roll it forward. Mm -hmm. And with these deals that you're putting together in the Ohio Valley, like what what is your role going to be? So. My role would be uh, in connection with, I'd probably interface with uh, tax and legal professionals as well as some uh, investor outreach or communication. That would be my role. Um, I would leave, you know, the management of the property or management of the management of the property uh, to somebody else and as well as value add stuff. Managing that, I would, I would leave to somebody else as well. So why should, you know, for passive investors out there, why would somebody invest with you and your partners versus some other uh, syndication sponsor? Yeah, I think it's a matter of uh, who you think understands your mindset. You know, I'm, as, as I was mentioning there, I'm, I'm conservative, you know, I'm, I'm interested in capital preservation. Um, I think people, um, other attorneys, uh, other professionals who have similar lifestyles and expectations um, and similar goals with respect to you know, developing additional streams of income that aren't tied quite so tightly to the amount of time that you use. Um, there's an identity of interest there. Um, I, I, of course, uh, I would be more inclined to engage in more risk with my own funds than I would with somebody else's. I think, so the two things, I think the two things that would maybe lead somebody to work with me are my level of how conservative I am with respect to investments. I wanna, when somebody asks a question, you know, I'm in the business of being able to give an answer. Why did you do that? And did you look at this? And did you look at that? And did you look at that? That's my business. And so I believe people will take comfort in that because that's the same way I would approach an investment. Uh, and then second, just, just the commonality of background, I think, you know, everybody's not a good fit for everybody. So uh, I, think, I think that I would uh, mesh well with, you know, other people in my professional, in my profession, and I would be able to understand what their pain points are and what their interests are.
And how can you tell whether or not a sponsor is going to do a good job? <clears throat> well, primarily by track record. Um, I mean, that's that's really the easiest way. If there was if there was a newer sponsor that had you know uh, a, just a screaming good deal, you know, despite the fact that they were new, uh, I think there's other ways that you can shore that up. You you get um, other people involved. You get a key principal involved. Right, who's who's got uh, a wealth of experience? They might not be the sponsor of the deal, but if they're going to come in and you know sign on as a key principal, or you get you know a, a really solid, reputable uh, property manager that that you know can can manage the property. But you know, it's hard to beat it's hard to beat track record. Um, so that would be that would be the priority. And then of course, I've spent a lot of time learning, you know, the underwriting, what types of markets that, you know, you want to engage in, uh, what do you want to do for value add, what some of the kind of red flags are on, on value add properties, you know, old plumbing, galvanized plumbing, aluminum wiring are a couple of, you know, things that um, in my, in my limited knowledge of the physical due diligence, um, I've, I've had enough uh, interaction and education to understand it. You got to watch out for some of those things. Yep. Asbestos, everything, lead paint, all that kind of fun stuff. Yes. 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 I've been there on the lead paint. I owned an old house built in the night, like 1905 duplex and I had it rented out. And uh, uh, one of the, one of the kids got tested with a little bit high blood level because of some old lead paint that was in, in some windows. So we had to remediate the whole house. Oh my! <laughs> to avoid that, yeah. So, so uh, well, that actually, huh? indeed, that leads to my next question. Uh, what's a problem that you encountered with a deal, and how was it handled? Um, you know, I've been fortunate to not have uh, much in the way of problems. I, you know, two things. I mean, two things come to mind. One was uh, my son and I bought a house on on. Uh, university campus when he went to school there and he was going to rent the other rooms to friends and that went fine during college and then when he left I was left with the management oh yeah we bought that just before 2008 so the value of it dropped by you know 30 percent you know a year or two after we bought it and there was a uh, a rough year or two in there with some tenants and really, that was just kind of hang in there, keep it going, try and keep it rented uh, until the value came back. And then and then we moved out of that property. But another one that just came up is we had a property go vacant and we decided it really needed to it really needed to be renovated. So we decided this is in I don't know, May of last year. So we thought, well, let's renovate it and we'll put it on the market. You know, I wasn't really thinking of selling my rentals, but this was an opportunity. I need to renovate it either way. In the process of the renovation, which took longer than we expected, you know, May became October, November, and interest rates had doubled right on mortgages. So, you know, the, the pricing in the market got a little softer. So, so your options are sell it or re-rent it. And I wasn't too excited about a long-term rental um, on a property that I just renovated. So we're going short-term rental. So that's that's going to be. Uh, we have not got it on the market yet. We're just finishing the the uh, the furnishing of it for short term rental. But so that's going to be my problem solve on that. Nice. All right. Are you ready for a speed round? 
I'm ready. I'll, I'll, I'll give my best. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? My favorite part of passive real estate investing is the, is the ongoing cash flow. No, that's, that's my favorite part. I mean, I like a lot of things about it, but if, if I had to pick one, ongoing cash flow is absolutely it. That you uncouple your income from your effort. And what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? When I first got started, um, well, I wish I knew about using, uh, cooperating with other people to acquire properties. So when I bought those properties back in 2013, 2014, we just, you know, qualified for them on our own regular conventional uh, Fannie Mae financing or whatever it was. Um, and at some point, you know, you can only make so many down payments before you start to get a little thin on cash and your credit can only, you know, uh, hold up so many properties. And honestly, it never occurred to me to go talk to somebody else and say, hey, if I find a good deal, you want to put some money in and then we'll finance it together and work together. I think that's one of the great, great things about multifamily property, which I wish I'd known when I got started investing. What's a book that you can recommend to real estate investors? You know, there's there's so many um, and it wouldn't necessarily be a real estate book. You know, I'm rereading a classic now, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, I love that one. Um, of course, everybody's read Robert Kiyosaki's book. But I think one of the, I think uh, maybe the one with principles that I'm kind of trying to apply the most right now are Who Not How. Um, Dan Sullivan's book, and it's about how not to do everything yourself. And there's a lot to do with respect to real estate. Um, you know, with the, the, like, for instance, finding the properties and raising the, raising the money. I mean, you can do all of those things, but there's, there's a myriad of other things that are involved in that. Mm. So who, not how I, that's, that's the one I'd recommend. Excellent book. Uh, and how can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on? So as part of my evangelization process about multifamily for lawyers and other professionals, um, I've set up a website and it's at venture60.com. And there is uh, some information and educational material about there to learn about multifamily, multifamily investing and what some of the benefits are. A little deeper dive than we're doing today. So there's an ebook on there um, about the benefits of multifamily investing, uh, some of which we've touched on today, some of which we have. Yep. I'll include that in the show notes. And is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? I think that's about it, Matt. That's a very uh, thorough interview on your part. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks, Jim, and have a great rest of your day. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Matt. Thanks. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.